Well, how many of you love or like, thank you, honey, the home improvement shows on HGTV? Any of you like those, like love it or list it or fixer upper or hometown? Well, back in the day, one of the very first home renovation shows was Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Does anyone remember that way back in the day with Ty Pennington? Well, Ty and his team would use their tools and their talents and their time to renovate homes. And these homes went from dilapidated to dreamy, from um, run down to recreated from a home where people could barely survive living in the home to a place where people could truly thrive as they lived in that home. Well, I think the reason why we like those types of shows is because it shows us how things can change for the better. And those types of shows give us hope. Well, I am here to tell you that neither Ty Pennington nor Chip and Joanna Gaines own the market on transformation. God is the OG in the transformation business, okay? That means he was the founder, the originator of transformation. And his spirit at work in us through spiritual disciplines are what he uses to transform lives. I want you to remember the working definition that we have about spiritual disciplines as we're in our series, Thrive Over Survive, the power, and trans- of, trans- power of Transformation and Spiritual Disciplines. Our working definition is any self-imposed habit or practice that assists us in focusing on Christ. So that is our working definition. And many of the spiritual disciplines that God uses are vertical between us and God. Things like Bible reading or journaling or solitude. However, there's also horizontal relationships that God uses to transform us as well. Now I'm going to use that phrase, the phrase spiritual friendship, to talk today about the transforming power of spiritual friendships in our life. Now, friendship is something that most all of us have experienced in life, right? You know what it's like to have a friend or to be a friend. However, when we add that word spiritual to spiritual disciplines, it's something totally different and it takes on a whole different meaning. These friendships aren't based on some sort of hobby that you enjoy together. They're not based on because you work together and have formed a relationship that way. It's not even that you have a mutual regard for each other. Spiritual friendships are based on God and you're united by him and also because of him. Spiritual friendships are one of the tools that God uses to transform us. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, 
you can find a whole slew of one another passages. I'm going to share just three, but if you'd like to look up more, you can go to Bible Gateway and type in one another and narrow the search to the New Testament, and there you can find all those verses. There's a quite an exhaustive list, but I'm going to just share three to get us started. And these three um, show us what it looks like to have spiritual friendship and what it means. The first one is found in Romans 15, verse 7. I'm reading all of these out of the Amplified Version. So Romans 15, 7, Therefore continue to accept and welcome one another, just as Christ has accepted and welcomed us to the glory of our great God. Romans 15, 14 Personally, I am convinced about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, amply filled with all spiritual knowledge, and competent to admonish and counsel and instruct one another. And then finally, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. So through these verses, we can see the important role that we play in each other's lives. Let's look at those, those words of what happens um, in those one another relationships. We welcome and accept each other. We're to admonish, counsel, and instruct one another, encourage, comfort, and build up. I want to highlight that word admonish for a moment because oftentimes when we think of spiritual friendship, it, it helps, it makes us feel like we have these warm, fuzzy feelings. <laughs> and oftentimes that's what happens in friendship. But that word admonish means to warn or reprimand someone firmly. That's where accountability comes in. That's where we speak the truth and love to each other. Those kinds of things are very important. It's a part of spiritual friendship. And so, I want to share with you the main point of my message this morning, and it's this. Spiritual friendship is the secret sauce to godly transformation in my life. It's that distinctive element that encourages and even accelerates my spiritual growth and formation. And that's what secret sauce is. It's a distinctive element. And so spiritual friendship is a secret sauce to godly transformation, in my life. I want to share with you in our time together this morning two examples of that in the scripture. They're both found in the Old Testament. In our 77-day Bible reading challenge, we're reading through the life of David, and it's just a, a survey, an overview of his life. But one of the most beautiful friendships in all of the Bible is found between David and Jonathan. And I want to give you a little bit of context uh, about this friendship between David and Jonathan. First of all, Jonathan was King Saul's son. And in those days, much like today, kingship was passed on from father to son, from father to son, down through the generations. So Jonathan was in line to become the next king of Israel. However, when um, Jonathan got to know David, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, 1-4, that Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as he loved himself. So Jonathan made a covenant with David. He took off his robe, his tunic, his bow, his belt, his sword, and he gave that to David. 
And this represents a spiritual friendship. The thing that I want to um, note here is it was God who knit these two hearts together. Because there's really no other way that that could have happened. <laughs> because in Jonathan's flesh, he probably wanted to that kingship. But God did a work in his heart and allowed him to become spiritual friends with David. So that act of Jonathan giving him his tunic, his sword, his bow, his belt, symbolizes Jonathan giving himself to David in loyalty and in friendship. And it also signifies that he understood that David was going to be the king and not himself. And this spiritual friendship, I believe, was the secret sauce that transformed David from a shepherd boy into a mighty king. And I want to look at how that happened. First of all, Jonathan unselfishly believed in David, and he even served David. Jonathan protected David when his crazy dad, Saul, was out to get him and, and tried to kill him on more than one occasion. And I believe that this was a time of acceleration in David's life because it was a relatively short amount of time um, that this spiritual friendship helped to accelerate him from a boy to a king. And then there's a most beautiful scene that I want to read to you. This is in 1 Samuel 23, verses 15 to 18. And I want to just note that this is the last recorded um, picture or meeting that we have between Jonathan and David because just a few chapters later, Jonathan was killed. So this is the last time that it's recorded in scripture that these two men were together. And it says, while David was at Horash in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horash and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father, Saul, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father, Saul, knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord that Jonathan, then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. At this, in this beautiful example, we see that Jonathan goes to David. David was in a time of great distress. And so Jonathan reached out, he went to David, and he calms his fears, the scripture says. He says to him, do not be afraid. And then he also speaks the truth to him. And he says, you will be king. And all of this helped David to find his strength in God. Now, I believe that that was a defining moment in David's life because in just a few chapters later, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, we read about another difficult time in Samuel's, excuse me, in David's life. And this time, let me read it to you. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord. Now, that's the same phrase that we just read a little bit ago. In chapter 23, it was Jonathan who helped David find strength in the Lord. Now Jonathan is gone, but what does David do? He has learned how to find strength in the Lord on his own. And that's what spiritual friendship 
does for us. This spiritual friendship between David and Jonathan was for a season, but God used it to help fulfill the God-given purpose and destiny that God had for David's life. So I want to make a little bit of application from this story, and then we'll move on to the next one. The first one is that we see that God knit these hearts together, right? So my question for you is, who has God knit your heart together with? Not because of a hobby, not because you enjoy the same sports team, but because of God. Who is someone that God has knit your heart together with? In this spiritual friendship, we see that Jonathan was the initiator. He went towards David. God put it in his heart to reach out towards him. Now, there are some of us who are listening that God has put someone in our heart, and God is waiting for us to take a step to reach out towards that person because they need you, and you need them as well. Now, even though I'm a women's pastor, men, would you permit me to just say something to you for just one moment? I I hope that means yes. (laughs) Okay. And I'm saying this as a wife who deeply loves and cares for her own husband, but men, you need a spiritual friend. Another Christian man in your life who you will let in, a spiritual friend who will help you to discover and grow and know the destiny that God has for your life. David's friendship with Jonathan marked him for life. This past week in our Bible reading, we were reading about David when it was time that all the kings went off to war, the scripture says, but but David stayed home and one night he couldn't sleep. He went up to the top of his roof and he looked down and he saw a beautiful woman a beautiful married woman, and he took that woman home to him, slept with her, she had a baby, and then a whole lot of things happened from there. There was a lot of deception and even murder. (laughs) One thing led to another, and it snowballed, and it got out of hand. And as I was reading that this past week, I just happened to think in my mind, I wonder what would have happened if Jonathan was still a part of David's life during that time. He could have saved himself a whole lot of heartache. And even if he, you know, did sleep with Bathsheba and he told Jonathan afterwards, Jonathan could have helped him to minimize the damage and not keep moving forward in that sin. I don't think that that's too far of a stretch to believe that that's what what could have happened. The discipline of spiritual friendship means that we give someone else permission to hold us accountable for our own actions in life. To keep our focus on Jesus and not the passions of this world, which we know so readily try to come at us. David's spiritual friendship with Jonathan helped David thrive into all God had for him to be. And so the point of application for this is that's the type of friend that we can be for others. There's people that you know that need a champion and that need a cheerleader, much like what, John, who, what Jonathan was for David. So who can you champion and who can you cheer on? Well, now I want to talk about another, script, another story of biblical friendship, and this one might be hard for some of us to believe because it involves two very 
unlikely candidates, a mother and a (laughs) daughter-in-law. I say that in jest because actually I am very, very grateful for the spiritual friendship that I have with my mother-in-law, hi, Mama P, and I am praying and believing to have that same type of relationship with my own daughter-in-law someday in the future. We are talking about Ruth and Naomi, and their story can be found in the book of Ruth, chapters one through four. It's kind of a, it's a very short read, and it's very fascinating, and I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with this story, to take some time to read it this week. Well, let me give you some context. Naomi was a woman who had a husband and two sons, and they lived in Bethlehem. Well, there was a really great big famine in in Bethlehem, and so Naomi and her husband, her two sons, go to the country of Moab. While they are there, the two sons marry Moabite women, and then in the course of time, unfortunately, um, Naomi's husband and both of her sons die. And that was very um, critical in that day and age because it's not like today where women can go out and fend for themselves and feed themselves. That didn't happen back in this time. Well, Naomi learned that the famine was over in Bethlehem, so she and her two daughter-in-laws set out to go back to Bethlehem. And they hadn't gotten too far when Naomi looks at her two daughters-in-law and she says, you know what, girls, you need to go back to your own families and find new husbands and move on with your life. Well, one of the daughters-in-law was a little broken up, but she went ahead and said, okay, and kissed her mother-in-law, went back home. Well, there was another daughter-in-law and this daughter-in-law was named Ruth. Ruth decided, nope, I'm sticking with you. (laughs) And so she stays with Naomi, and they head back to Bethlehem. Now, when when Naomi gets back to Bethlehem, all the women of the town were in a flurry. And they said, oh my goodness, could this be Naomi who left all those years ago, and now she's back in town? And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Now, that word Mara means bitter. And she says, call me Mara because God has made my life very bitter. Well, the good part of the story is through the course of time and divine providence and some very interesting practices, God turns things around by providing a husband for Ruth. And this husband is such a noble and godly man that he takes care of both Ruth and Naomi for the rest of their lives. And then Ruth gives birth to a son, and all the women gather around, and then they lay the son actually in Naomi's arms, and Naomi's life is restored because of this spiritual friendship of her and her daughter-in-law, between her and her daughter-in-law. And by the way, that, that child that was born was named Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David that we're reading about So that's just kind of the history of how that went. Well, let's talk about how this spiritual friendship encouraged godly transformation and was the secret sauce in both Naomi and Ruth's life. First of all, let's talk about Ruth. She was a Moabite, and that meant that she worshipped a different god than the one true god that Naomi worshipped. 
However, Naomi's faith must have rubbed off on Ruth because when it was time for them to part ways, listen to what Ruth says to Naomi. This is Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Ruth's life was spiritually transformed from allegiance to the Moabite God to allegiance to the God God, our God, the one true God. Now, interestingly enough, the name Ruth means companion or friend or even vision of beauty, and Ruth was all of those. She was a companion on that journey home. She was a friend, and she was a vision of beauty. Not so much her outward appearance, although she was probably very beautiful, but the beauty that was within her. God used her as a spiritual friend to Naomi. And because this spiritual friendship had already been established, Ruth walked in when the rest of the world walked out on Naomi's life, out of Naomi's life. Ruth, I believe, wouldn't let Naomi forget her faith, the faith that Naomi herself instilled into Ruth, and she wouldn't let Naomi walk through her bitter circumstances alone. Now, although Naomi tells everyone to call her Mara, meaning bitter, never once in this biblical account do we see Ruth calling Naomi Mara. She only calls her Naomi. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Names are very important, especially in the Bible, because they describe what God is doing, and they describe a, a person's character or the character that God wants to instill in a person. But did you, do you know what the, the name Naomi means? The word, the name, Naomi, means pleasant. Ruth walked alongside Naomi in spiritual friendship, and I can just picture her saying to her defeated mother-in-law on that long road back to Bethlehem, I am not going to call you bitter. I am not going to call you Mara. I'm going to remind you of who you are. And you are pleasant. Eventually, this is what helped Naomi thrive. To go from just surviving in bitterness to become a woman who thrived. And through Ruth's friendship... Naomi transformed. She started out pleasant, but then life circumstances caused her to be bitter. But then Ruth helped encourage and accelerate God's transformation in her life to back to whom he called her to be, which was pleasant. Let's make some application from this story. There's a lot that we can apply. I'm just going to share a couple things. First of all, unlike David and Jonathan's friendship that was just for a season, this spiritual friendship was for a lifetime. And we all have people in our life that come and go for a season, and, and what they do and how they help us to transform through, through God's spirit is amazing and it's important. But then we also have people who are never going to leave us <laughs> until death do us part, so to speak. 
And the thing that I want to say to, to us is we need to not take those relationships for granted. Just because someone is not going to ever leave your life, we still want to cultivate those lifelong relationships because those relationships are the ones that will step in when the rest of the world steps out. Another thing is a, a big benefit of spiritual friendship is that you have someone who will go into the deep and dark places that God uses to transform you. That is, if you will let them. Just like a caterpillar has to go into a deep, dark cocoon before it can turn into a butterfly, God often uses those deep, dark places to, to do his most awesome work of transformation in our lives. And a spiritual friend encourages and accelerates that godly transformation by not allowing us to stay stuck in heartbreak or shame or bitter, bitterness. They help us move from just surviving to thriving in our spiritual life. Most of us will not get through however many years we're on this planet without some sort of time where we're just surviving. Some, some time where it's like, I'm just trying to, to survive. <laughs> I remember there was a time about nine years ago where I had a prolonged illness and it lasted for nine months of my life. And I was just trying to survive by just making it through each day. Now, during this time, I had a group of four friends and on, just of their own volition, they decided to meet together in person, now, that, back when that was a thing. <laughs> they met in person to pray over me. I wasn't even there, but they would meet in another friend's home and pray over me, and they did this for months. And it was actually really humbling to be on the receiving end of that, but their, their spiritual friendship first helped me to survive that time of my life, and then it got me to a place where I could start to thrive once again. And I'm not really sure I would be where I am today without their spiritual friendship. And so I want to say thank you to those friends. The last thing that we can learn from Ruth and Naomi's relationship is a spiritual friend won't allow us to stay bitter in our life. Although bitterness is ultimately each individual's choice, a spiritual friend will call us out of bitterness and into our true name. Remember how um, Ruth did that for Naomi? She wouldn't call her bitter. She would call her pleasant. And that's what a spiritual friend does for us. They call us by our true name. They say, you are God's beloved. You are blessed. You are favored. You are more than a conqueror. And there may be times when we don't want to hear what a spiritual friend needs to say to us. But when we, we remember that a spiritual friend is meant to help us take our focus off of our pity party and back onto Jesus where it belongs, we remember the value of this spiritual discipline of spiritual friendship. And relationships matter. And I hope that you can see from these two examples, and there's many more through the Bible, I hope you can see that relationships matter a lot. And I would even say, personally, that my biggest ministry over the years hasn't been as a pastor, it's been as a friend. 
when I'm invited to walk along someone in their life, help them walk their path and not become bitter by it, but grow through the hard things, just like Ruth did for Naomi, and then speak God's truth and call out the destiny over someone, just like Jonathan did for David. Spiritual friendship is the secret sauce to godly transformation in life. It's that distinctive element that encourages and even accelerates spiritual growth and formation. During this time of quarantine, we've seen how important one or two spiritual friendships are in life, haven't we? I want to show you a quick video that highlights a spiritual friendship of two of the women in our church and how that friendship has encouraged and accelerated godly transformation in each of our lives. Let's take a look. Well, it started when Jackie moved her family out into the middle of the woods. And her and Amelia came down to look at a horse at my yard because she was doing 4-H and I was really rude. <laughs> They'd picked the ugliest horse in my yard as far as I was concerned that they wanted to look at. <laughs> well, we needed a picture of a gray horse and that was a gray horse. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually Amelia got married and Jackie came down and asked me to go to a Bible study with her, and that's where it started. Um, the first Bible study we went to was at the Baptist church down there by the feed store, and it was, um, can't remember what the name of it was now, but it was Jesus with skin on. I still have all that stuff on my refrigerator, all those magnets and <laughs> stuff, and it started there. Yep. And yeah. just went to rooted it and yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> and we just kept going. Anytime there was a, a Bible study or something and from Bible study we went to rooted and That was when something, I, know, I guess it's like you're sitting on the fence. You know, you're saved, but you're not really following Jesus. You're, you believe in him, but not really. And that was, rooted was when I realized I needed to get off the fence. Part of it's the trials we've been through, the bad stuff that happens. Um, Sometimes Jackie gets the lesson first, <laughs> and I get so much from her all, her experience, you know. Um, things that have happened with her mom have turned around and happened with, like, my boss, and it's been helpful to know this is what you need to do. And, and it's also helpful to always have that person to call and talk to. And... Get your head screwed back on straight. <laughs> <laughs> just for me, it's just to encourage Melva to just keep plugging along, just keep plugging along and 
you know, if the, she's got questions on, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, well, you just, you just do it. You just do it. And say, like with her son, yeah. it's, it's all about love. It's all about love. That's all that it's about. It's not about controlling it. It's not about, just like with Mr. Baker, it's not about controlling it. Yeah. The situation, it's just about love. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's how Jesus spurs, that's how, what he does with me. And sometimes he'll just say, give her a call. So I'll give her a call. And maybe she's having a bad day or maybe she's had a really good day. And then get to just share that. Or maybe I'm having a bad day, like my mom's going through a hard time or something. And it's like, okay, this is what my mom, this is what happened today. And Melba will just go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and that's all that I needed was to be able to put it out there. So, so having somebody to listen is yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's just having somebody to listen to me. That's good. And to pray. Yeah, and to pray. Yeah, yeah. and to pray. We always know that we're praying for each other, and that's really nice to have that back there in the back is knowing that that person is always saying, bringing you up to God in some way or another. I guess that I can I can only give that from the point of the person being the encourager to just don't get don't get bummed out if you invite and they say no that's okay that's okay but don't stop do it again do it again because maybe sometime they'll say yes and that can be the start of it okay I know exactly what you're talking about because I wasn't coming back through those doors I've been hurt that bad and after Rooted, it was, I learned so much during Rooted about forgiveness and about the fact that, I mean, for like two years, he just kept telling me, your opinion is not the truth. Read the book. <laughs> and pretty soon you realize that um, that is true. You have to forgive the same way he did. And if you don't, you're, the only, you're never going to get anywhere. You've got to hand it back to him. And above all, stop blaming him. And then once that's settled, you can go forward so much faster. Otherwise, you just keep going backwards. And I don't know how to explain it any better than that. <laughs> it's like, Well, I love that story because Melva and Jacqueline's spiritual friendship gives us just a real practical picture of what spiritual friendship is all about. And I remember Melva the first time she came to that Bible study and the work that God has done in her life from that point to now is truly the secret sauce of Jacqueline, you being that initiator and that encourager and cheering someone on, and that's what spiritual friendship does. I have seen Melva's life completely transform before my eyes, and of course, that's God's spirit, but it, the secret sauce there is that spiritual friend who walks alongside. Here at Cheney Faith Center, we try to create multiple opportunities for spiritual friendship, but 
The onus is on each one of us individually (laughs) to build spiritual friendships and to take advantage of those opportunities because we all need a spiritual friend and we all need to be a spiritual friend. The past 10 months have shown us that you don't need a whole auditorium full of people to grow in Jesus, you just need a few. And that's why we have been asking the question over the past several months, who are your few? (laughs) Who are the few people in your life who want to know, grow, and go for Jesus? A spouse, a family member, co-worker, people that you have met here at church. But how can you gather a few people in your life to grow together in Jesus? You have a great opportunity with our 77-day Bible reading plan to connect with a spiritual friend. Each week you can meet whatever that looks like for you to, to talk through the reading, to encourage each other, to pray over each other. Boom, spiritual friendship right there. So my question to each of us is, do you have a spiritual friend? Are you a spiritual friend to someone else? And my challenge is to take a step towards spiritual friendship, either in getting or being a friend or in reconnecting with a spiritual friend. To be the initiator, to make that happen, to reach out, not to wait for someone else to reach out to you, but for you to take a step towards spiritual friendship. Now, there may be some who are maybe new to Cheney Faith Center and they say, you know, I'm new, I I don't have a spiritual friend and and I need some some help here. (laughs) And so if that's the case, first of all, the, the right step is always prayer first. That's a prayer that God loves to answer when we ask him to send us a spiritual friend. But one of the ways that we've set up here in this season of our church life is we have some groups that are meeting via Zoom to go along with our Bible reading challenge. And we're calling them challenge groups. And that means challenge like the Bible reading challenge. Don't let that name scare you. It's not that you're going to go to this group and you're going to be like the main goal is for us to challenge you. Although that sometimes naturally will help happen, but it goes with the Bible reading challenge. So we have one group that meets on Tuesday night at 7.30, and that's for men and women. We have a um, group on Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m., and that's a men's group. And then Saturday at 9 a.m. for women. That's a women's group. And the, the way you do it, you just go to Zoom, you click on the little plus sign that says join, and then you enter the church phone number, 509-235-4282, and you get started that way. I have one more quick challenge, and that's to most of the people who are listening to me, and that is if you already have spiritual friendships, which I know most of us do, to be on the lookout for someone who needs to be drawn in to spiritual friendship. And that can be one of the things that the church can kind of be judged for, for lack of a better term, that it's like a a Christian clique. And we don't want the connections that we have with each other to be so exclusive that we're not looking to bring other people in. That's not how God's kingdom gets built by us for no more. That's that's not how it works. We don't want to get so comfortable with our people, (laughs) that we don't make room for that one or two other person, people who need to be brought in to spiritual friendship. And for those of us especially who have been following Jesus for a decade or more, the responsibility is on us to be a spiritual friend, to be a Jonathan, to be a Ruth, to be a one another to other people. 
because spiritual friendship is important for so many reasons, but it is the secret sauce to godly transformation in life. And let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. And thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth so that we could even have your word, so that we could even be in relationship with you first and foremost, and so that we could be in relationship with each other. You are so good, and you are so kind to to be our savior, and to rescue us, and to transform us. Lord, you're like that father in the parable of the prodigal son where you're just scanning the horizon waiting for people who are running or who are coming home to you and you run to them. And you embrace and you clean up and you cover shame and you bring healing and you bring transformation in life. That's who you are. That's the God that we serve. And I hope that never gets lost on us, just the miracle of grace in Jesus. God, one of the things that you use, a distinctive element that you use is spiritual friendship. A one another or a few one another's who come alongside us to accept us and welcome us, to admonish us and instruct us, to encourage us and comfort us and build us up. And Lord, we need that in our lives and you know that we need that. And Lord, you are calling some of us, even now in this prayer, you are calling us to to be that spiritual friend to someone else, to be on the lookout for someone who needs a one another in their life. Thank you, Jesus, that you use us. Thank you that we even get to cooperate with the work that you do in the transformation business. How humbling is that? We thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that we would take a step towards spiritual friendship, whether that's reconnecting or being a friend or having a friend, whatever it may mean for us. We thank you that that's what you use, sometimes messy, but it's also really beautiful relationship. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was a great day to be together. Always remember that Jesus loves you very much, and so do Mark and I. Take care.